What's up, everyone? Welcome into the final Washington football crunch of 2018. I am Micah Chan, and joining me, as always, is Luke Monger and Jackson Garner. Both of these guys are enjoying their leisurely vacations in places like San Antonio and Southern California. Am I right about that? Absolutely. And no, what I'll tell you guys is I'm down in Palm Springs with my family, and then we're going to drive over to the Rose Bowl on the morning of the 1st. But uh, I am in an arm sling, as many of the listeners know, because of my shoulder surgery, which eliminates golf, which is like the only thing that you do in Palm Springs. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to I was gonna ask. Well, I'm glad I didn't ask, because I was going to be like, Luke, you must be yeah, in the links. Also, and I, I myself I forgot know. that you were in that sling. Yeah. So, the, but the, the, like the thing is, is I normally golf every day down here. Like I love golfing, and I especially love mm-hmm. golfing down here because it's significantly easier than in the Northwest. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, uh, a couple days ago, I just decided to go out with my dad and grandpa and watch them golf. Like I personally really enjoy watching professional golf. Some people don't. No one knows the grind of watching 18 holes of two not shittiness it's horrible and especially like it's well it's one thing being on like watching it from tv no exactly like when you're like when you're like walking like hole to hole it's like man i'd really love to take a swing right now like yeah no seriously it's right there for you what's stopping you from like it's a short putt you know can i jump in like 12 feet away (laughs) yeah Yeah. i got one arm and i'm probably better than you anyways even in this dilemma (laughs) yeah no i i i I dropped the ball like on the green and would i putted on every hole and actually i played two holes with just my left hand which was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Yeah, it was. Uh, really I think the left hard. hand, left hand's got to be harder than the right hand, to be honest, because you're facing the opposite direction. Yeah, I'm, right. Because yeah. you usually you want your right hand as like the power one, right? Like the one that's uh, yeah. Like I would say anchoring. That, yeah, my right. Yeah, I, I, definitely a lot of the force is coming from the right hand, and just like you don't realize, <laughs> like it's a significantly more weight than you realize when you're swinging with just one hand. So I was sore after just playing two holes. I was like my bicep and my shoulder. On my left side were sore. I was like, that was pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Compensation. <laughs> so this Tuesday is, in my opinion, the biggest game that UW's had in many years. The reason why is because this senior class is absolutely in need of a big win. And I'm not talking about their four wins over WSU or that one time they beat Stanford under the lights. Apparently, those games don't count. I'm talking an all-time game-changing moment in time. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to make a documentary on this year's legendary senior class, they need to have that final scene. Any good documentary has that final scene where the protagonist lives their biggest moment. For example, in Justin Bieber's documentary, Never Say Never, <laughs> the documentary ends with Justin Bieber headlining Madison Square Garden for the first time. So if UW is going to have an award-winning <laughs> documentary, they need their version of that, the equivalent of that. They need the confetti flying, Browning holding up a baby, Gaskin on his knees with the rose in his mouth. Luke, how life-changing is this game about to be? Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. I'm the biggest apologist for this class of seniors in the history <laughs> of the University of Washington. But the fact of the matter is, they will be seen by the public as either the group that transitioned them towards getting back to the top or the group that actually finally got them there. And that all actually now Oh, arrives. Luke, you're being too nice right now. Transitioned or actually the group. 
Um, okay, but yeah. they're, they're okay. not going to be that soft. They're, sorry, they're not going to be that friendly when they just like that's not the bottom. That's not the the floor for this group. Is that they were a, a transitional piece of reaching the top? But they, they will are, be they described kind of as a group. No, they will have the reputation as a group of chokers that had so much talent and so much potential. Mm-hmm. And then things like Browning interceptions happened, and then Chico McClatcher leaves the team, and the whole system falls apart, and they lose every single important game. That's the floor, not a transitional team. Yeah, I think I think people will be. I think they'll see them as kind of underachievers, you know, considering the expectations <laughs> that they had about this team prior to, or or I guess after the 2016 season, they saw this team with a sophomore quarterback and a sophomore running back, two sophomore All American tackles on both ends of their line, you know, that sort of thing. That they're like, this team is a national championship team in the future, and I, I think that there is. I don't know. I think you articulated it well because looking back two years from like two years ago, like an 11 and three Rose Bowl victory will be nice. But considering what I guess people's expectations were after 2016, uh, I think this is kind of like you said, a little do or die in terms of it is the the, the short term reputation of this class. I chokers. Think, chokers will be the label that they get. If they lose. No, this Rose I don't Bowl. think I don't think they're going to be called chokers. I think if they lose, they're going to be called the transitional class because the class before them is going to be the new winningest cl- wait is so is it just jake browning that's the winningest quarterback or is this the winningest class I so it's, it's, it's jake browning's the winningest quarterback i think it's also the winningest uh four years four years class history. okay because mm-hmm. the thing is the next class that the the what would it be the 2016 class yeah is going to be will, the yeah, next they, the newest winning is they class won't they have a going. yeah they, they would have to perform better than a seven and six record in order to earn that label as this is the greatest. Yeah. The thing is... Albeit they didn't contribute as much as I think, the, the, these guys right now have to those I previous three years. I think a lot of people are going to look at this. That's a good point. I mean, kind of like... Because, I mean, last year, at least for WSU, everyone talked about that 2013 class with, with Cole Madison, Luke Falk, and all those guys, how they were the most winningest class. And it's like they were the, the class that brought this whole mic. And leech. now they're completely forgotten about. And now it's all the 24... Like, all these guys, you know... With, I mean, obviously Minshew wasn't there, only there for a year, but with with uh, Paluer and, and Kyle Sweet and all those guys, Nick Begg, they're the most winningest class. And so now we're like, who, who is the 2013 class? Like, I don't even yeah. remember. <laughs> right. So right. like, it's going to be kind of the same deal if they can't get this win. But if they get this win, people are going to look back at them and say, here, like, here is where everything took off for UW, yeah. and they will they will go down as one of the more historic classes. And so at, at least win. for six months, they'll yeah. have that. But And then people will probably forget about them as well as, as soon as Eason shows up. But uh, Miles Gaskin, this is his final game, and he really wanted to come back to make something special happen in his senior year. If he wins the Rose Bowl, he, he can, he'll probably chalk it up as a good decision. But if you factor in what Miles Gaskin could do in this game, which is 35 carries for 200 yards... Should they win it all, will this be the peak, the swan song of Miles Gaskin's football career? I, I don't think so. I really do think, like... Mm. I think, think that there's something better to, out there in Miles Gaskin's football well, career I mean, than winning a Rose Bowl on like, 35 carries? Okay, that's a good point. I mean, I guess it'll be his most significant single-game performance. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that he has the skill set to make a long-lasting career in the NFL, whether or not, like, I think... It's tough to say whether he'll be like, I don't know, a pro bowl or all pro kind of guy in the NFL. Which would he would have to be the triumph winning a Rose Bowl with the amount of carries he's yeah, about to get. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at guys like Philip Lindsay and you have hope for a player like Miles Gaskin to go and carve, 
his way into a starting role in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, when you put it like that in terms of, I guess the most significant impact, meaningful. Yep. Yeah. I think that it, I mean, it could be close to it. You know, I think maybe in terms of just a single game, whether or not, like, I don't know if it'll be his peak accomplishment, but maybe his kind of, like you said, his swan song, what he'll be remembered for. I think, I think you could say that if he had 35 carries for 175 (laughs) yards and two touchdowns and a Rose Bowl win, that that would probably be when people say Miles Gaskin, what everyone will think back to rather than, I don't know, his eight years in the NFL where he had two. That'd be a hell of a career, man. You have to account for the drama of his return. Like, you know, everyone told him there's nothing left to prove, Miles. Like, go to the NFL, go get (laughs) your bag. And it's like he came back and then was, you know, all the heroics in in the Rose Bowl. That's assuming there is that kind of ending. But man, like if that were to happen, I don't see how. I mean, even devastating WSU for four years. I don't think that would be greater than De- back devastating for the WSU year and devastating yeah. Ohio yeah, well, State well, in the Rose Bowl. Like we've that's, already way, that's way more significant. I already factored that in. I'm not like none of the wins over WSU are apparently big games, so they, it needs to be one of these Alabama oh, well, Penn I mean, State environments. Huge. I mean, most of them were huge games. Most of them were decided yeah, the Pac-12 no, but, North. So I mean, yeah, they're all sure. huge games. But in the but. in the in the eyes of the, the critical fans who don't think that this class has done enough, that think that Jake Browning like hasn't achieved their expectations or that this class is like at best a transitional class into better things to come. Those games don't matter to them. They only yeah. think about New Year's Six bowl games. They don't mm-hmm. think of winning two conference championships or yeah, oh, how naive forward. they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those people that like like Luke, you love looking at the full body of work, especially a guy like Browning. But unfortunately, most humans are notorious for looking at the very Those last thing someone did of the moment, and then using that to summarize <laughs> their entire livelihoods. And in the three biggest games of Browning's career, Penn State, Alabama, Auburn, he's averaging at one touchdown, one interception. And 206 yards across those three games. What makes you think that this time is going to be any different? I, I just think the one thing that after looking at kind of this matchup is the Ohio State defense just kind of straight up isn't very good. <laughs> no, yeah, I saw, I saw this article. Feel. Yeah, I saw this article that the Buckeyes are 88 yards away from allowing more yardage than or in a season than any season in program history. I kind of butchered the delivery on that, but the point is the same. Like this is literally a historically bad Ohio state defense. And I don't know how they've been like, they've been able to like, they went 12 and one and won the big 10. And I think it's just because the big 10 isn't that good either. The big 10's not showing well in bowl season right now. There are full or four ranked big 10 teams. uh, And then Penn state and Northwestern are two of them. And neither of them have a win over a current ranked opponent. Like, I just don't think it's a very good conference and Ohio state had yeah. a bad defense, but they were able to get away with it uh, because they didn't play great competition, honestly, at least from my opinion. And they have a really high powered offense that can get away with them allowing 400 yards and 26 points a game because they would get 600 yards and score 40 points yeah. a game. <laughs> well, and I also think like when you think of Ohio state's defense, like usually you think of, a couple guys in the secondary that's going to be going early in the NFL draft. Like you look at that secondary mm-hmm. right now is, I mean, you're looking at maybe like maybe a couple like seventh rounders. Like I don't, I don't think there's anyone. Yeah, I don't even in, know. And I, I, that's, that's pretty inaccurate of me to say, because I really just don't know. But I also think that speaks for itself. Cause I don't know anyone of that. That secondary. Yeah, normally you'd know like an Eli Apple or, or something yeah, Denzel like that. Ward kind of, you know, I mean, 
nothing this year's. And I think, well, yeah. at least talking, you know, someone who knows a little bit or thing or two about the their secondary, talking to my brother, like that's kind of what he was he was relaying to me too. It's like you look at that secondary and no one is intimidated. And I think that's going to help out Browning. I think that's going to help yeah. out, you know, or UW's passing game, you know, and it'll open up things. It'll yeah. open up things in the running game too, if, if they're able to take advantage of it. So for sure. And I mean, just speaking of kind of the running game, I think another thing that interests me about like watching some of Ohio state football this year, I, I went on YouTube and watched some like full games and, and highlights and stuff like that. Their defense, the way that they play defense. And I, I might be a little off here, but I don't think I am reminds me a lot of the way that Washington state plays defense. It's not too surprising because Alex Grinch is their co-defensive yeah. coordinator. But if you look up front, I tweeted this out earlier today, their average defensive lineman is six, three, 272 pounds, which like isn't small, but it's not big, you know? And they have a, what's his name? Draymond Jones is kind of, I guess like the, the guy up there up front for them. And he's, he's six, three, 286 pounds. He's their biggest guy. Right. And, uh, like the way that they get things done up front is they have like guys who are fast and they, they try to fire off the ball and penetrate gaps and stuff like that. They don't two gap. And like it, you've seen it kind of happen with the speed D against Washington. Uh, I guess that's the Washington state speed D against Washington is that like at times they're able to get in the backfield and bottle people up for a loss or, or get a sack or something like that. But at times they're also just blown off, like just knocked off the ball and miles Gaskin has like, a gaping hole and runs for 15 yards and moves the chains. So what's interesting about Ohio state is I think the reason that they've been able to allow like over 400 yards a game and still have like a semi respectable scoring defense, allowing like 26 ish points a game is that they can allow teams kind of march down the field and then one big play can ruin a drive. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like the, there can be a, a 13 play 55 yard drive where on first and 10 from Ohio state's 28, uh, the quarterback gets sacked for a loss of eight and now they're kind of out of field goal range and it's second and 18 and they can't move the sticks. And then they either like are able to barely sneak back in field goal range or they come away empty handed. Um, so that'll be big for Washington. I think is kind of avoiding those really big negative plays. And uh, yeah, I, I guess trying to obviously establish miles Gaskin, get Savon Ahmed out on the perimeter because they don't tackle well on the perimeter. I mean, you, you saw that Maryland, yeah performance and it was atrocious right and then again like you said and there's not kind of that guy in the secondary that you're afraid of and kind of try to take your shots when you get a chance you know if you're moving the ball maybe pull one back and try ty jones or aaron fuller deep especially ty jones i'd like to see that because they're pretty small also in their secondary i think two five eleven starting corners UW is not the only team that has a major bowl game this weekend this past saturday sorry this past friday the cougs won an absurdly exciting game 28 26 over iowa state there was a lot of goodbyes in this game perhaps two none bigger than garner Minshew and Peyton paluer jackson let me ask you this does it bother you that Minshew will be remembered for far longer than Pilur will ever be remembered? I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily disagree with that, or I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that Pilur will will definitely stay fondly in, in Cougar fans' memory, and I hope he has a. I hope he has a kid soon, like. And I hope he's just as good of a linebacker because that that would be awesome if we <laughs> keep the Pilur line. And I think just because of that, like family heritage. At WSU, obviously he's the fourth fourth generation Pluer to be playing in a Cougar uniform, and I think maybe because of that factor, 
that he is going to be remembered. The family has that legacy. Well. Payne Pelour, yeah. the, the man himself, who's been there for six years and gets and yet gets a fraction, an eighth of the attention and, that Garner Minshew has gone this season. And, and I think we... Their, well, their, yeah. their, their popularity, the ratio is not equal to how much they've actually contributed yeah. to the program. No, and I, I think that's right now. Like, obviously, you know, the Minshew mania was was the story of this season, but that's going to slow, you know... Years from now, when people are, are thinking about WSU football, they're, they, yes, they'll remember Gardner Minshew, but it's not going to be with the same Minshew mania hype. Like, that's going to be something where students and, and, you know, kind of people who are living in the past think, oh, God, you remember those, the Minshew mania? Like, that was, but the, but the younger kids who are WSU fans aren't going to remember it like that. So I think when, you, when you're kind of looking back to history, both are going to be remembered equally as well. But obviously, you know, if you're a quarterback playing in the air raid, there's going to be a, a level of fondness, I guess, you're going to remember someone with, and, and Minshew certainly fits that bill. Yeah, th- those are the two biggest stars that WSU had this season. They're, they're mm-hmm. Far ahead of Kyle Sweet or um, who, who the running back, James Williams. Like They're, they're not yeah. even the same tier as those guys. Who is that next star going to be? Who is going to be that guy that you can put on, on like on the program um, in the graphics on ESPN, like yeah. who would who's the next guy to do that? To me, it's obvious. Uh, it comes down to whoever the quarterback is or Max Borgie. End of discussion. Well, okay, it's going to be yeah. one of those no, two types I think of players. That, I, well, I was wondering that too because you know obviously before Minshew, it was the Messiah, Luke Falk. Like that was the guy who yeah. was kind of heralded as the king. But does it have to be a quarterback? It like, can't be a defensive player. Well, you know, the wide okay. receivers are too generic on WSU. They're too similar well, no, uh, to, I don't to think it's, really it's, separate themselves. It's necessarily generic. It's just the nature of the offense. where it, Exactly. A, yeah, a wide receiver they have no chance be to that. They be special. There's not going to be 100 reception or anything The targets like that, aren't going to you know? be high enough uh, compared to yeah. the other receivers on the team. to really. However, on the defensive side of the ball, I do think, I do think there could be someone who has that celebrity status on the defensive side of the ball, but it's it's going to take a hell of an effort. We're talking and somebody I, on Minshew Mania level. Who can that be? I, I think it can. you can include Max Borgie in that conversation. Yes. Definitely okay, a lot, yeah, definitely a lot more than James Borgie. Williams, and I think yes. we all know why. You want to know why? Because he's a lot, he's a lot like Christian McCaffrey. That's why. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I also think that, you know, a, if, if James Williams comes back, which it's, it's kind of looking like it's going to be that way, um, that's going to slow that down. And, and it would be nice if he had, you know, kind of three solid years as the go-to guy to really build up that, but to, to, to get close to what, what Minshew and his celebrity status. But, and I don't know, I, I may be way out of touch here with this, but after that whole... Dion Primetime Sanders shouting out to Marcus Strong. Uh, <laughs> Could that revitalize Marcus Strong? And just the psychologically, like having an endorsement from Primetime, and who knows how what that does to him going into this offseason, the preparation. And I mean, if he throws together a season when where he's got like three, four interception and is just a lockdown guy, you know, like a first team, first team Pac 12 kind of guy, like, I might I could see that. I could see it being a defensive guy who is kind of the the, the stud of WSU even in the air with with Mike Leach in the air raid. There are UW I mean, defensive backs that have achieved far more status 
than Marcus Strong has. I'm talking Byron Murphy, oh, Jojo McIntosh, Taylor. Rapp. These guys have these guys have literally made a huge name for themselves, and yet they are not in the same world as guys like Gaskin and Browning. It's it is 100% the nature of the position. I mean, if guys yeah. like Byron Murphy can't achieve mainstream success, then no one is is going to be able to catapult themselves no, above the quarterback that? and the go-to running back. That those guys, like those guys on the defensive side of the ball for UW, they're playing a, with a bunch of other studs, like Pluer. So you would think they'd be able to market themselves like a Legion of Boom style, where like we're the most shut down. Which, by the way, they're not. But well, like, no, we're one what, of the most shut down you know. secondaries in the country. Even that's their what, pool of talent can't draw people to pay attention no, to them regularly. That's not what I'm saying. That's what that's what UW UW can market themselves like that because they have, you know, a full secondary of NFL caliber kind of guys. I'm saying WSU is not going to have a full defense with with NFL caliber guys. It could just be the one. Therefore, he can raise his celebrity status among higher than everyone else and be singled out as like the guy. They're not around the ball enough on each individual play. Now, middle linebackers can definitely achieve that. Even even like an outside linebacker like a Von Miller, J.J. Watt type. um, can can reach the point where they're because they're involved in so many plays and they're making so many hard hits. Think about Richard Sherman on the Seahawks. Like he, you know, he was crowned the king, and, and no one even threw his way. You know, and, he was, and that was largely on the because of his trash talking ability that he was able to achieve the level of fame that Russell Wilson was able to. It was it was almost a hundred percent his personality off the field. These players yeah, at the well, college level don't have that option to be these divas off the field like Richard Sherman was at times, and that's what made him so popular. It has to be somebody in the spotlight on Saturdays every single week making yeah, plays that put them on the national uh, puts them on ESPN top ten plays. You also have to consider that half of Gardner Minshew's celebrity status came from his personality. Like, obviously, he was playing well all the time, but... Did it really come from his personality? His person- or, or Absolutely. Was, or was it his look and his playing style? I, I would it say it was more of like... of all of it. The, he didn't promote the mustache. It wasn't like him in a press conference going, look at me, look how silly I am yeah, with my mustache. Well, I, I know. It was, it was because of character traits that he possessed, but it was never verbal communication. I bet you most people, if they said, hey, what does Garner Minshew sound like? They probably couldn't even make out his voice in their head. They don't ever hear him talk that much. Yes, they do. He's they not a quotable guy. All the time. Yes, there, yeah, there yeah, are and shirts and, of his and, quotes. Yeah, there and, are shirts. Yeah, in your, in your bubble, the, <laughs> the, the, the few hundred people that went out to San Antonio to watch that game, they were, they were in the know. They know what Garner Minshew is like behind the scenes. But for the, the people that are aware of him on a national scale, they know him because of his Heisman run and of the mustache. And those are two things that he did on the field 100% of the time. It was his performance on Saturdays and how he looked on Saturdays. It wasn't for his Wednesday evening press conference or his locker room interview. No, and yes, I, I understand that. But I'm just, what I'm you saying You can't is, use the listen, San Antonio example. I d- no, I don't think that there is actually a player on the roster that will reach... As well, high I, I, as I have Gardner Minshew, I, I, I have I have Cameron Cooper. If he doesn't cut his I, hair, okay. that's your guy. Yes, that yes. He, dude, that's he's what, Trevor Lawrence. Also, he's Trevor Lawrence light. Yes, I, I I agree with that. And, and but he's a again, lefty. Like, How cool is that? And he he's he's like uh yeah, yeah truth. No, and I I agree that that if you're looking at it just what it takes to be a celebrity, he has the look. Remains to be seen on the play, and also remains to be seen with the talk. Yeah, but like he has the look. He has the look. You have to be able to be quotable. You have to be quotable. 
I don't know if uh, Cam and Cooper's quote. Luke, yet. do you agree with we this? Been that being that famous is ninety percent performance and then ten percent luck, twenty percent skill. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, of course. Yeah. I mean, because in college football, like you said, you just don't have the outlet to to have kind of the brash personality that can attract a ton of attention to you, even if you aren't, I guess, lighting up the stat book. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know so much luck. Like, I really think that the spotlight finds those who deserve it. And Garmin, you, know? you deserved it. Like, but you I don't know, but think about year. it. Like, yeah, absolutely. There's so much about him, like his story and his mustache. But that all came from his performance. It, Without the performance, yeah. there is no, none of that backstory. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm saying if you had, if you had an equally talented quarterback who didn't have a mustache, and was sitting in Pullman for five Luke years Falk. or four years backing him up. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. the same. See, if, you win, seasons. if you win and perform well, people will find anything cool about you. That mustache isn't cool if he's not winning. If they're three and five. Yeah, but, yeah. but, and, think but about here's Luke the thing. Falk. Think about Luke Falk. He had seasons that are, that are I mean, not as great, at, but they're on par. And he was never as big of a celebrity. Yeah, well, cuz the, the cool thing about Luke Falk, the cool thing about Luke Falk was that he likes Tom Brady yes. a lot. But like and like that's not yeah. that cool at the end of yeah, the day, I know. You know. That's what I'm saying like you need the personality, you need the look and I I you know mm-hmm. No, but like Micah said though, you have to you have to have that yes, performance absolutely. element first. That's a prereq. Performance is key, but but that's what I'm saying, we don't we know too little about Cam and Cooper to say that he is the obvious choice. Yes, he has the look. But that's only one of kind of the... the it's a very small factor. It, 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 I think that he, not saying his performance right now, but if, if he were to perform at a Heisman level, oh man, the country would fall in love with him. I mean, Trevor Absolutely. Lawrence's performance in against the Notre Dame, that probably gained him hundreds of thousands of new fans, followers, like how... Like, a new audience that like like we knew about him because I mean of, of all those Elite Eleven documentaries and like how how call, high school quarterbacks are looked at, but him being a true freshman this year and breaking out like that, and then you combine that with his godly good looks, like that guy looks that guy the, the long hair and and uh, and the cool personality, that and and in doing the post game interviews. And uh, and this the name Trevor Lawrence, you know. Oh, if if NFL scouts are saying that if he was coming out into the league right now, which he can't, but if he could, he would be the number one overall pick. Now you've got your mainstream star, and right now. now Clemson has their superstar that they can promote across all social media platforms. Uh, and and Cam Cooper is definitely closer to Trevor Lawrence than people think. He just, he just got to be yeah. able to perform on the field. Max, that's that's why I like Max Borgie so much because it doesn't matter how well James Williams performs. He could have ninety catches, a hundred catches, and people would just say, "Oh, he's just a product of the system. He's 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 another running back that WSU has done well with." But Max Borgie, he has such a unique look. I mean, he he he's different from all the other running backs in the state of Washington right now. Yeah. It, the other thing about Max Borgie that I think is makes him uh, the, the the challenge that Max Borgie will face, and one that I think he's poised to overcome, is that just in recent history, it's been like Jamal Morrow and James Williams, Jamal Morrow and James Williams, James Williams and Max Borgie, and like Jackson said, it's looking like it's going to be James Williams and Max Borgie next year. C- can Max Borgie like obviously in an offense like the air raid where running backs do get so many touches? kind of mm-hmm. in the form of short passes that like there has to be another guy that steps up and takes a pretty good like portion of the workload. But can he kind of be like a feature back 
truly in terms of the number of touches he's getting. Like, can can he get seventy five percent of the production at yeah, the when James position? Williams leaves? He has a couple of years to operate by himself. Maybe there's not a running back behind him that's talented enough to vulture as many touches as Borgie is doing right now at the Williams. Yeah. Maybe he can be the guy that that's getting eight. See, like you said, seventy eighty percent of the touches. Yeah. Well, and then I think the thing about that too, on the flip side, is. Um, I think Max Borgie is unique in the sense that he's a true freshman that's come in and challenged who I've said on this show, I think is the most criminally (laughs) underused player in the history of college football, James Williams. Like James Williams is really good and they have found a reason to give Max Borgie almost as many touches. And I I don't think that's an accident. Max Borgie's efficiency is off the chart. But so at the Alamo bowl on Friday, apparently there were three cyclone fans um, for every uh, Coog fan, and this kind of made because you were talking on Twitter, Jackson. That uh, yeah, why aren't a WSU fan showing up? And there, there are two types of WSU fans, and this is what I actually believe: there are those that are diehard followers of the football team that monitor the Cougars every day, Jackson. Yes, you fall in this category. Yes, I do. And then there's the category that most Coog fan falls in. The we always find our way back home, Kook fans. They didn't really follow the WSU football team. They, they didn't like like yearly follow the WSU football team growing up, like Luke and thousands of kids across the West Side that follow UW football. But you know, as they get into high school, they hear about this amazing culture at WSU from all their friends. Like, I want to join a sorority. They wanted to go for the friends, the good times that they can make, the memories they could have, and. Around this time that they made that decision, you know, maybe their senior year of high school mm-hmm. or even once they got there, that's when they start to become Cougar football fans. Yeah. Now, that type of fanhood will obviously draw you to the Cougar Saturday college game day experience. And maybe even to some, yeah, I traveled to Pullman for homecoming, but you're not going to pay $5,000 to watch the Cougs. It's not, in, it's not injected in your DNA the same way we're on the UW side. And I'm not saying that UW has this rabid fan base like the South does, but you've got literally tens of thousands of kids just like Luke Monger mm-hmm. that since they were five had a Husky football on their crib and they grew up thinking about every okay. they grew up <laughs> thinking about every yes. Husky Saturday and as a result a lot of these Utah fans have fandom growing up and that's ex- and okay. honestly I think it's how it is how I I, yes. I always say it as well I okay I agree and I disagree with you here I agree with how you become a Cougar fan that that you're pretty on par with somewhere around high school you kind of realize that WCU is for you and you want to go there and that's when you kind of become being become a WSU fan and maybe you grew up a Husky fan stuff like that but here's where you're you're kind of wrong and and the point that you're making here is that I know for a fact that once you come to WSU and you become a fan when you leave you are an incredibly passionate WSU fan so and and you're you're, you're currently passionate WSU uh alumni that doesn't mean you're exactly that that doesn't make you a super fan of the football team I I think you're 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 kind of underlooking uh, how passionate they are towards the football team. You don't you don't see it for basketball. You don't see it for baseball. It's it's all for the football team. Well, I mean, um, I, it, 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 there's hardly any following for like even UW baseball doesn't have people that are traveling. Well, yeah, to- but UW basketball. <laughs> I mean, certainly oh, there, are, sure. there are some I'm diehard sure, yeah. fans. But what I'm saying here mm-hmm. is that those the kids are not the ones who are making the decision to go travel to the bowl game. It's the parents and the adults that have the money. And those, there are certainly 
plenty of of those fans who can afford, who can go. And I I'll tell you why I think that the the turnout wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be or wanted it to be. That there's there's this hangover of the Apple Cup where WSU lost everything. The Heisman candidacy for Gardner <laughs> Minshew, the the New York Six uh, ex- expectations, literally the entire respect of the country, and, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And they they fell off the map, and it was like, man, we were supposed to do this, we were supposed to do this, and then we ended up we ended up at the uh, the Alamo Bowl, which and is then a Minshew's arguing fans on social media saying, why don't you come to the games? This matters, yeah. and getting fights and with it people does. online, and he's right. And- well, he's not getting. He didn't. That's that's wrong to care. Did, did I phrase? Did, like did I did I yeah, enunciate it? Because he did not get in a fight with anyone. He just simply suggested like this is a fantastic bowl game <laughs> and you guys should come. And he's right. San Antonio is a fantastic city. The Alamo Bowl is a great bowl game. And I mean, I think anyone that went to the game would tell you the exact same thing. But I do think that there was this expectation of what WSU was going to accomplish this year in terms of their bowl game, and it didn't come to fruition, and people were bummed out. People were bummed out that it wasn't the Rose Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, and, and they were like, you know what, I, I, didn't, I didn't invest so much in this season to go pay thousands of dollars to go to the Alamo Bowl. I was going to go pay thousands of dollars to go to the Rose Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl, and people didn't show up, and that was a mistake on their part, I, per, I, I think personally but um you know that's obviously everyone else's own you know they they get to decide whether it's worth spending that kind of money to to go to the bowl game but i think that's really more of why wsu fans didn't show up in the numbers quite like iowa state but i will say this i will say this you know you're probably right it was it was about three three cyclones to one cougar in there but if you watch that game on tv or if you were in the stadium pound for pound WSU, yeah, they were good. just yeah, as much good. noise, yeah. just as much noise as the Cyclones. However, well, you're getting the most hardcore fans, fans there. To, uh, Cyclone fans must know a lot about booing. They must love <laughs> to boo and boo often because, <laughs> man, when they started booing, that it was that was as loud as the stadium ever got. Is when and when they would start to boo, and they they booed early and they booed often because <laughs> there would be flags that were clearly on WSU. You know, you see, you see the the flag thrown, and the the stadium just erupts in boos. Obviously, on WSU, what are you booing about? But they're just—it's like they were trained just to boo when they see a flag. So they're probably I mean, just angry about their lives. So I, they take, you know, they take I it know. out. They take it on their mediocre football team. I, I think they're heading in the right direction. <laughs> I think they got a great coach, and you know, Matt Campbell seems like he is kind of one of those up and coming. I mean, I'm not going to say he's a Chris Peterson. But like he is that you know straight you know straight nose yeah. no excuses runs a tight shift uh, and they've got a young they got a young quarter too. yeah no I think like I, I I have a lot of respect for for him and what he's gonna do there and also I gotta say I love Iowa State fans they were incredibly nice and it was like it there was no adage like oh we hate you guys like there was no build up to like man you, you're getting in fights and bars and stuff there was none of that like. Iowa State fans, WSU fans were having a great time together, both known for known as party schools, and it was one big party the entire time. I feel bad for people that that thought that this wasn't going to be a fun bowl or wasn't going to be a good bowl, 
uh, and didn't show up for that reason. Like, it was a great time. But that does it for this week in Washington football. Your next episode will be following the Rose Bowl on Wednesday morning. A couple of great ways that you can support the show. Leave this podcast a five-star review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Micah underscore Chen, at Luke Monger, and at Jackson M. Garner. For myself, Luke, and Jackson, we're signing off. Thanks.